Happy New Year, everyone. I'm Pastor Mark. This is Lori. This is uh, Eric, and that is Dan. So, and uh, we're the pastoral staff. And we were having some discussion about just seasons and and newness and you know normal questions that normal people uh, have in New Year's times and and just reflecting on on the previous year and what our hopes and dreams are for uh, 2014. And I thought, you know, it might be really beneficial because we, we all do this for us as a community uh, to see how, how the leaders in this community go through this process and some scriptures that have helped us along the way. And uh, then Hopefully, uh, what our hope is that you will take this and in your your growth groups or Bible studies or just community groups or whatever you're a part of, uh, go through these questions as a group and really discuss them so you can really honor the previous year uh, while you look forward to the coming year. I was uh, actually read the, the whole book of Ecclesiastes yesterday uh, in preparation for today, but I wanted to share a certain certain aspect or part of it written in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, and it's just talking about seasons and just a time for everything. Verse 1, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. There's a theme there, right? There's, there's a time for, for everything. There, there's a time uh, for every part of life, some of us uh, this previous year uh, have grieved lost ones. Uh, some of us have danced in, in weddings or uh, danced uh, just with joy of, of new birth. And as we, uh, it's these times, these periods, I used to not give them very much uh, value, but these times of reflection, especially as we reflect and as we use those reflections to move forward, can be very powerful in a, in a believer's life. So I came up with four questions that, that I wanted to uh, ask the pastoral staff today, and we're just going to kind of discuss those things. And basically, the four questions have to do with reflection, redemption, uh, resetting, and renewal. So the first question, guys, is how do you reflect on a previous year 
and determine what needs to stay in the past and what needs to move into the future. I think Eric wants to go first. Okay. Um, so this is all because I like to, I connect this very much with, uh, with scriptural things, with, with spiritual things. Um, one of my favorite, one of my favorite writers, a uh, guy who's influenced me over the past now, a few years is a guy named Abraham Joshua Heschel, and he was actually a Jewish rabbi who wrote a lot in the uh, 60s, 70s. Uh, he's recently passed away. But uh, I was reading something about the Sabbath, and, and he said something that to me was very, very profound, and I would actually start, start at it this way. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but we don't know where the Garden of Eden lives. You know, Genesis 1 tells us that there's a garden. It gives us some vague references in the Middle East, but nobody knows where the Garden of Eden is. If you go to the Holy Land, you can take a tour that will take you to Mount Sinai where the Ten Commandments were given. But there's actually a lot of scholarly disagreement about where Mount Sinai actually is. Uh, so we actually don't know where Mount Sinai is, where the Ten Commandments were given. We don't know with absolute certainty where Jesus's tomb is. Our faith is not a faith of geography. And God, uh, according to Heschel and other rabbis and other Christian writers, God is not a God of sacred places. And he did that uh, actually very, very pointedly. Because, you know, when we know that something is like a sacred place, we tend to make an idol out of that place. So God was not a God of sacred places, but God did something from the very beginning of Genesis. Uh, in the first few verses, he's like, he made the day. He made the night. It was the first day. And then there's another day. And then there's another day. And then at the end of the seven days is the Sabbath. And so what Heschel points out is that, God is not a God of sacred place, but he's a God of sacred time. He gives us time as a very, very pointed gift. And so I take uh, the gift of time very seriously. And at the end of a year uh, is a great spiritual challenge for me to kind of lean into the gift of what has happened in a year and how can I recognize what has happened in a year and how can I prepare myself for the next year. It's a spiritual thing that I feel like God has called me to. And the way I do it um, is, with, is with this little thing. Uh, this is my journal. I have many just like it. I've even took a picture of them. Um, for 16 years, I have kept a journal. It's actually started with uh, when we found out Emily was pregnant. My first journal's words were, I'm sorry, <coughs> strike up. Just to clarify. Stop tweeting now. Yes, please stop tweeting. <laughs> no, when I found out when when we found out we were pregnant with Emily, um, my the first words in my journal were the first words in my journal were you know this is this is for you. We didn't know if we were going to have a son or a daughter, uh, and so um, over the time it it has evolved into a ritual that every December I end my journal whether it's full or not. I just I I, I put it aside. I label it with the year. I number it, and then I go buy a new one. And every year I record uh, all, the, all the books that I read. I sometimes record the movies I watch. I record my, my goals, and then I transfer it to the new one. And that is the, that is the, core, that's the core of my ritual to reflect and, and begin to answer all these other questions that you answered. That's, that's me. Sorry it's long. Uh, Lori? 
Uh, actually, my yeah, my process is pretty similar, and that's largely because that's something that Eric challenged me to do a few years ago when I was really struggling with the change of the new year. Um, it seems like I struggle frequently with the change of the new year, but I, I, if you know me at all, you know that one of my favorite words is season, so it was great that that was the scripture for today because there's so much grace in that word because I know that I can endure anything for a season, and I also know that there's a new season coming, and, and that's encouraging to me, and I need very much to be reminded of that. So a, a journal is one of the ways that I, that I do that. I can, by the end of the year, at some point, I look back at the journal, and, and, I, and I look at the things that, that have caused hurt and, and been wounds for me, um, but I also look at the things that were exciting that I've seen in, in people that I've been in conversation with or in my family or, or just celebrations. Um, and I, I try very hard to be very intentional about taking those wounds and leaving them on the pages of that journal, learning from those, taking the lessons with me, but being very intentional about um, focusing on the things that have given me energy and, and confidence and encouragement and transferring those things to, a, to the new journal. But it is a very tangible thing for me. It's a very, um, I guess, ritual, like you said. It, it's, it's just something very tangible that I can look at and mark the end of a season. And for me, I, it's very important for me to give myself the grace that that isn't always on December 31st. You know, there have been many years, this year included, that my new year didn't start on January 1st because I just wasn't ready. I just wasn't ready to let go of last year and to move into the new year. Um, I still had some processing to do. So that goes along with the seasons. I, I measure, I mean, this is a time of the year that's natural for that. Um, and it is always sometime around that this time of the year. But it, I don't give myself the... I don't put the pressure on myself that I must be ready for the new year on January 1st because then when I'm not ready, I could start the year very discouraged. So I don't, I don't allow myself to do that anymore. I'm ready when I'm ready, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I do the preparations um, to be ready, but I, I, I let God work that out in me. So. Right. Cool. Dan? Uh, well, I don't have a cool shelf full of like awesome insights and journals. <laughs> Maybe Eric will share his wisdom with me this year, inspire me to journal. You'll be woefully disappointed in my <laughs> wisdom. <laughs> but I definitely honor the seasons. Um, I mean, to me, the new year, it, it is a season that I use, but it's really not any more special than some of the other seasons and times of reflection. Um, I use birthdays. Um, personally and the people that are close to me to kind of reflect um, on what's going on or, or anniversaries. So se seasonal work is, is really important for us to just really kind of dive into and have those moments where we assess what's happening in our lives, what God is doing, where we're heading. Um, and for me, this concept that has, has helped me with this because for years, I really, I really kind of avoided the New Year's conversation. Maybe, maybe you do too. I, I see kind of these camps that form around New Year's. It's the people that are like, yay, a new year. I get to start my whole life over, you know? And then, and then there's the people that are like, if you got to make resolutions, your life stinks. And, you know, you shouldn't wait till a holiday to change it, you know? And it's kind of, maybe some of you were there too. Um, but, but really, we have, to, we have to honor that. And New Year's would be kind of daunting to me because I'm like... I don't want to reset everything. 
And, and honestly, for me, like where these seasonal conversations really hit home is in my relationships. Um, because if I make like these wholesale changes to my life, it doesn't just affect me, right? I mean, it affects everyone that's in relationship with me, you know? So if I just say, Renee, guess what? My wife, um, this year, 2014 is the year of Dan loves the gym, you know, and seven days a week, you know, um, I'll catch you in 2015. We'll see how things are going then, you know, uh, that, that's just not going to work. So when I, when I look at these things and shrinking the change, it's like making small changes to move me down the field. And um, some of that is going to correlate to what we're going to talk about in a few minutes. But I really kind of break it down into roles and responsibilities. And so a very easy and tangible way for me to, to just kind of gauge what the season should be or what they might be or what God wants to do is for me to be able to say, like, how am I doing as a father how am I doing as a husband? And I can honestly tell you, uh, you know, celebrating 14 years of marriage this past November, that the majority of my marriage, I have failed at loving my wife as Christ loves the church and gave himself for her, okay? Um, so 2013 was a year where, like, that was really one of those things. My prayer was, God, show me how to love my wife the way that she needs to be loved. And she says that I'm doing better. Um, so uh, I'm making progress. I, I've, I've got something to focus on. But those roles, those responsibilities uh, are really key to me reflecting on, on what, it, what it is that I need to do. And Ephesians 5 kind of comments on that a little bit. Um, in, in verse 10, it says, Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them, shine the light on them. It's shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people are doing in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. And then this admonition that says, Arise, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. And it's such a powerful thing to me just to say in every season to be able to let God just guide me step by step. You know, um, life expectancy of a New Year's resolution is 18 days. I want to do something that's sustainable and faithful. A lot of times, how I reflect on on the previous year uh, is with with a little bit of sadness. A lot of times, because I always uh, have pretty high hopes for, for the new year and a, and a lot of different things that I want to be part of and, and do and, and achieve and, and things like that. And sometimes, uh, you know, that can be a bit disheartening. Um, uh, and a lot of times during those times, I'll, I'll turn to Philippians, which is one of my favorite books in the, in the New Testament. And one thing that kind of gives me permission to to accept things that are still in process is Philippians chapter 3 verse 13 where Paul writes no dear brothers and sisters I have not yet achieved it in this idea that that things worthwhile are are an endurance thing that that it takes time and then he says this but I focus on this one thing forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead and this idea of, of you can't change what happened in the past and you can learn for those things, but you can allow those things to 
hold you back and, and discourage you, or you can look forward to what lies ahead, to what God has in store for you, the, the surprises, the, uh, the encounters that, that are, are going to shape your path. And, and as I reflect on, on the previous year and try to determine what stays and what goes, you know, just this, uh, usually it's activities that, that need to be left, um, that things that I thought were going to be beneficial uh, for me or for the church or for my family that just didn't really uh, happen. Uh, uh, but, but also keeping that hope for the future and looking forward to uh, what Christ has in store for us. So talking about that, uh, the next question, guys, is how do you redeem the failures from the previous year and use them to be a blessing in the new year? I'll go because clearly I have the most failures. So. <laughs> yeah. um, we, we have, when I was reading that question and preparing, I, the thing that kept coming to my mind is something that we do in our family, um, particularly with the kids, um, when we see that, that you know, they're starting down you know, making a, a choice that, or, or they're going to say something that you know is going to get them in trouble, in trouble, or their attitude is just uh, stinking at the moment. Um, and, and we just, we just say to them, would you like a do-over? <laughs> Eric said that I actually say that to these men as well at work sometimes, and I, it's probably true. Um, but, but we do, I mean, when we do that for for a couple of reasons, obviously one for them to have the opportunity to change the course of where they're headed. But the other thing that, that I do is, it, is it, it's a tangible reminder of God's grace, that we do get to have a do-over, that our, you know, his mercies are new every morning. And, and that's not only true for my kids. I, I cling to that for myself. And, and so I take those failures, and I, and I try to learn, obviously learn from them. I write down what I've learned from those things. Um, in in my journal, um, but I also use that as a, just a very vivid reminder that that of of God's grace, and and I want to remember that part too. So that's what I try to carry forward from it. Eric, Dan, um, I guess for redemption, it's one of those things I really have to remind myself um, of, of my weakness, of my inability that I'm not the catalyst to the good things in my life, but those things come from God. Um, and this kind of just the statement of just saying, you know what, I can't control the situations of my life. I can't control the people in my life or how they're going to react. But nevertheless, like in the midst of that, I'm not a victim. I'm not a bystander. Um, I'm free. That God has given me the, the strength and the power uh, to, to be able to be in control uh, of who I am, to exhibit that self-control, that fruit of the Spirit. And so in that, it's just one of those things that, that redemption to me is like that question of, um, am, I, am I suffering? And, and that's something that God has allowed me in my, in, to experience in my life, or it, am I just experiencing like the consequences of my foolishness? You know, um, Redemption is looking for God's hand in my life and his purposes, and his will unfolding. If I don't see that, if I don't see that fruit, you know, then, um, 
then redemption is is just based on what I think feels good. <laughs> and that um, is something that changes um, with the whims of our hearts. And so I try to just kind of gauge it on that and just the power of just saying, God's work is redemption in my life. That's what, that's what grace wants to do. It wants to bring about that transformation, that change. I think redemption is tricky for me because uh, where part of my personal journey lately has been realizing that uh, sometimes the, the idea of redemption is connected with me trying to fix the past, like what you said, this, this idea of powerlessness. And um, 2013 was, was actually um, really hard for me. Parts of it were because I had to come, I've been coming face to face with the idea that I can't fix my past. I can't go back in time and undo things that I've done. And that's not exactly what redemption is, but for me, that's where my mind can go. Redemption means I fix it. Redemption means that I make it better, but I can't travel into time. So part of the way I redeem the past is I have to actually just worry about accepting the past. I actually have to just look at myself and go, I've done bad things. I have done things that are less than perfect because I'm human. And... uh, Learning to accept that gift of imperfection is actually really, really hard for, for me. But just to look at something and go, man, I, I just didn't do as, I, I didn't meet the standard of perfection, but guess what? That's okay. Um, and so, so, you know, part of it of, of redeeming the past is for me to just accepting, trying to learn from it, but not trying to fix it, to just release it and go, I'm not perfect. I'm just trying to get better as a person, as a human being. So That really resonates with me and, and also what Lori said about the failures. I don't think you're the one that has the most failures. So. Um, but, but that, I actually have a, a huge fear of failure also. And, but it plays out a little different for me because for me, I just kind of identify that inner coward, you know, where it's like, Things, things are, are there, and, and, and I have the power to, to move forward, but there's this fear that if I try and it doesn't work, then, then what? You know? And it, it can be paralyzing for me. And so a big part of that for me has just been to ask God for courage, you know, to be able to, just to have the courage to be able to step in and go, wow, I can, I can embrace failure. It, it's, it's actually something to learn from um, and, and, to, and to create um, and to try and, and to mold and shape. Um, and so it actually is, becomes an art form instead of um, and, and something that creates beauty instead of just kind of sitting in the ashes, you know. So. Redemption is obviously it's a central theme in our, in our faith, but it's definitely a central theme in, in my life as well. And, and something that just really encourages me and gives me hope that uh, that God redeems broken things. God redeems broken people. Uh, God redeems things that maybe others have uh, that look at it as, as, as worthless and makes them new and, and beautiful again. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, uh, Paul writes, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. And 
It's an interesting verse. Uh, we know that the, the, the curse of the law is uh, the wages of sin is death, but also the law was given to, uh, to Moses to, to help, help us uh, live in a, in, a, in, a certain, uh, in a certain time period. And that that, that, was, that time served its purpose and that, that God... God redeemed us from that that law and, and made us new in Him. And I think about those kind of things, and when I'm thinking about my life, and I think about the church, and I just think about different things that 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 it's not always failure that needs to be redeemed. Sometimes it's something that that is just lived its course in your life, and it just doesn't your your life doesn't need it anymore. And one of my favorite examples is a journal uh, my uh, that I got in Seattle several years back that it was a, I, I call it my gospel journal, but it was a redeemed journal, basically that the artist had just uh, repurposed and taken things that people had thrown in the trash, uh, jackets and buttons and things like that and made, you know, started making journals out of them and giving them, redeeming them to have new purpose. And to me, you know, the beauty of that, 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 you know, that like my journal that's, uh, you know, has different pieces of leather pieces on it. Perhaps that was somebody's favorite, you know, leather jacket at one point. Maybe it kept them warm. Maybe it saved them lo- their life because it kept them warm or something. But at some point, they're like, I don't need this leather jacket anymore. And uh, made its way into, you know, the dump. But somebody redeemed it. And those kind of those things, just knowing that, that nothing is ever wasted with God if we, if we allow uh, Him to redeem it. And it may not be for our benefit, but it may be, we're part of a legacy of faith, and it may be for benefit for somebody else. So that's how I kind of think about it. Um, the next question is, how do you reset your life, ministry, and spirit for the new year? How do you reset? Well, I think, you know, I already talked about the journal thing, and that's a pretty important thing. I, I also, uh, on an annual basis, you know, like this... Um, January 1st, uh, I was reminded that, you know, the garbage man comes once a week, and we have these huge garbage cans, and there's a lot of stuff that I have in my life that I actually don't use and don't need and doesn't serve a purpose. Like, this is all symbolic stuff for me. I, you can laugh about it, but, uh, you know, when you have a desk full of clutter and you look at it and you're like, man, I have, I've, been, I've said I was going to read this article for three years. And maybe I can just own up to the fact that I'm really not going to read this article. And, and so I just went through, and man, I just did a, a thorough cleaning because for me, my exterior world represents my inner reality. And that's just something that I had to come to terms with. Like some people can have a cluttered desk and a cluttered world, and they are perfectly at peace. Let me tell you, you walk into my office, and you see a cluttered desk, like I'm not in a good place, you know? <laughs> And so for me, like, again, accepting the fact that God gives us time as a gift, I have to take seriously the fact that, man, I need to get myself straight. You know, this is a gift. The, the turning of the year is symbolic, and, and, uh, and I need to take that seriously. So I clean my desk off. 
I, I reset as much as I can just to kind of say, you know, not, not, not like Dan said, that you know, like, oh, you know, it's a brand new year and now I'm going to become whatever. I'm going to run a triathlon. I'm not. But I can make incremental changes and I can just start the, start the year with a clean slate to go, it's a gift of time. It's a new season. It's a new year. I'm prepared to walk forward you know, with a clear mind and a clear heart. So that's, it's all about ritual for me. And, and that's a dirty word sometimes in church. But like Mark said, the law is a caregiver. And rituals can be caregivers for us to do the things we want to do. We don't place our faith in them. But if they allow us, if they allow Jesus to be formed in us, and if they allow our life to take shape in a way that honors him, Man, give me, give me as much rituals because I'm a disaster without them. Good stuff. Good stuff. Anybody else on reset? I, I, I guess back to the journal, I, um, I, I review the past journal and then I, and then I close it. I, I take the things that need to be transferred if they're goals that are going to continue into the new year. Um, but then I intentionally close that and I give myself just the time and the space and and that usually is just some alone time for me it's usually at the beach again if anyone here knows me that's usually where I can um, feel renewed because it's ju there's just some some quietness some solitude that I that I need to to rejuvenate and and to feel like okay I'm ready to take that next step and going into that next thing and I get energy from that but I also have to have a vision I I um, I was saying to someone earlier, I, I write my goals for the year on several pieces of paper for for a couple of weeks, or for certainly for several days, before I ever put them in the first page of my journal, because I pray over them, I process them, I say, you know, I try to evaluate evaluate which ones are the goals that are are should be there for this year, because I want it to be attainable. Um, but it's a very much like like Eric said, a, a, a ritual of of just saying this is the process that I'm going to go through, and and uh, and then just start uh, give myself that starting point. I, for my goals, I in talking about goals, one of the things that I have to force myself to do is is look at the end of the, this year, the new year, and say what do I want things to look like at home in my ministry, in my life, in my, in my physical being. And then work backwards from that and say, okay, what are the baby steps that it's going to take to get me to those goals? Um, and that's all part of my process, too. But that, but that does give me that official reset, and it also gives me energy. So. And the final question that I, I personally think is a really important question for all of us and, and one that, that I spend a lot of time with is, how do you make sure you will enter the new year with a sense of uh, renewal and energy? I guess uh, the catalyst for me has to be hope. Like if I don't have hope, um, then there's not there's not really uh, a reason to get out of bed. You know, there's not really a reason to do things. Hope for change, not just. Well, it hurts a lot, and you know sometimes pain can be a motivator for us. Um, discontent, those kinds of things. But um, I, I try to look for the bright spots, um, like Lori said, vision. You know, knowing where what God has called me to do, and so tr having tr voices of truth, wisdom in my life, um, give me some of that perspective. Uh, but but really, it's just it's just a matter of hope, and that comes from from various resources. Sometimes it's just God speaking to me 
in his word. Sometimes that's, um, sometimes that's you. <laughs> sometimes it's, it's people in this room um, or people that will show up here throughout the course of the day. I, I see your life, you know. Um, I, see, I see Chuck and Margie, um, and I see the things that they're doing um, in training with each, in, and in their marriage and, and in service in our community, um, and, and you inspire me. I see people living godly. Uh, I see people working on their marriages or people showing up, you know, to, to care for the next generation and eat three kids, those kinds of things. I see you living out what God has called us to do, and that gives me hope, and it gives me the ability to, like, really um, have, have more energy. Maybe you could just call it, like, inspiration, not motivation, but, but really inspiration. It's a spiritual work. Um, I've, I've had enough of motivation. Motivation only lasts for, for so long, uh, and then it just kind of dies out. But I need that constant source of, of adventure and life or um, kind of like what you were talking about, um, just that, that creativity um, and that, that comes from um, some, of those, some of those disciplines. I think for me, and, and it's also related to what Dan, Dan was saying, in the sense of hope, um, you know, and if I could just say one thing very, very strongly to you guys that, like, I, I believe um, I've had to come, to, again, to come to terms with the fact that God intends, God desires, God offers us uh, transformation. And for so many of us, if we were really honest, we come to church so that we can be reminded that we get to go to heaven when we die. And that is the furthest thing from a motivating idea. And that is not God. That's not the way God inspires. But when I think of the fact that God says, I'm offering you the chance to, to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ, that gets me out of bed or it gets me to go to bed at a decent hour so that I can be awake for the next day in order to live out these rituals and these disciplines that I have. Um, uh, my, uh, I'm not content with my life to be the way it is. And, I, and, and, and a faith that doesn't offer me the ability to transform is, is not a faith that I actually want to be a part of. Amen. But God offers us the idea, the, the, the opportunity to be different people. And, and that hope is what drives me like what Dan said. I don't want to be the same Eric in December 2014 that I was in December 2013. Yeah. Well, let me just uh, conclude, thanks, guys, with uh, this verse, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse 16. Talking about renewal, Paul writes, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. And for me, really what make sure that I have energy to move into the future, what gives me passion for, you know, the church and my calling and you guys and everything, that, that 
those things unseen, those, those, those things, those transformations of, of the heart that, that perhaps something that is taught or, or something that's discussed in a growth group or something experienced while serving or a conversation you have at work that, that takes a relationship to a new level, that, that those those things will happen, that transformation is happening, that, that, that somebody here is going to step out in, into uh, a space unknown spiritually this year and is going to be uh, impacted personally, but impact our church and, and impact uh, those who they're serving. And just uh, the idea that we truly can be the full expression of God's love here and that that you never know you know what scripture is going to be read or what conversation that's going to to you know rock somebody's world and uh, so thank you guys for going through that with me hopefully uh, those questions are on the back of your fridge fold so you can go through them in your growth group or uh, on your own uh, I've Hopefully you'll do it with a group. I think it's uh, beneficial and just helping you kind of uh, reset and uh, for the new year. Will you guys pray with me.